Hello, you're listening to an episode of the Global Education Podcast series from Teacher Magazine. I'm Jo Earp and my guest today is James Deck. IT integrator at the Marymount School of New York in Manhattan. For the last seven years, he's been teaching computer programming, physical computing, digital design and fabrication in fab labs and makerspaces. He's also co-founded the NYC Makery, a public makerspace where children, families and educators can experiment and explore. And he's president of the Nerdy Derby. James Deck, uh, thanks for joining Teacher today. So um, if we start off, can you explain a little bit about the makerspace work that you're doing at Marymount? So uh, Marymount is a pre-K through 12. Um, we have about 750 students, but they're distributed across three different campuses. So mm-hmm. we actually have three separate uh, makerspaces at the school. And um, I uh, work in the Fab Lab, which is in the middle school. Mm-hmm. So I work primarily with 6th, 7th, and 8th grade students. And um, they actually have a, a class that all the students take, a mandatory class, part of their curriculum. Um, it's called a technology class. And it sort of takes the place of their old computer skills class. And in this class, students do a series of projects to learn how to use the tools uh, in the Fab Lab. And then sort of as quickly as possible, we try and get them to come up with their own ideas and start working on projects that they're really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, along with that, we also do uh, quite a bit of integration with classes like science and with art. Um, and we really like to sort of combine uh, classes and, and do projects that are uh, multidisciplinary, um, mostly with, with science, math, and art. Mm-hmm. You're in Australia this week uh, mm-hmm. working with Lauriston, uh, but um, is the situation in the US, would you say you're a bit further ahead of where Australia is in this kind of space? Well, uh, I mean, both Australia and, and the US are big, big places, so I, I think there are pockets that are ahead and pockets that um, that maybe uh, are just starting to catch on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have noticed that there's a lot of interest uh, in Australia right now and this type of stuff. Um, I think in the U.S., uh, in the East Coast, we're really just sort of starting. Um, Marymount was the first uh, school um, to start a fab lab in, well, first private school to start a fab lab in America, and that was only five years ago. Um, If you go to the West Coast in California, uh, you'll find a lot more really well-established programs, not necessarily fab labs, but places that have had maker spaces. I mean, this this stuff is not new, right? We mm-hmm. had shop classes in the 1980s, you know, shop classes, and, and to some extent, you know, home home economics and classes like this uh, existed for decades, and it was really in the 1980s and 90s when those classes um, were shut down for whatever reasons, budgetary safety. Um, but I think as uh, digital fabrication tools have become more accessible and less expensive and easier to use, um, we're finding more and more schools are starting spaces like this. But I, I, I am aware of, you know, I have some friends, uh, people like Gary Stager, who actually comes here quite a bit and does workshops around um, similar ideas. So 
um, I know that there's a lot of interest here. Mm -hmm. Now, a few years ago now, 2013, you co-founded a public makerspace. Um, that's called the NYC Makery, uh, and that's a pop-up space, isn't it? And what you're looking to do is is extend that for teachers as well. What, what's happening with that, making it a permanent fixture, if you like? Yeah, so um, a f there's a few reasons that we opened this space. Um, the the main reason is, you know, the Marymount School, a lot like Loriston, is, is really a school for privileged um, students, uh, students that really could afford a, a private education. And um, one of the concerns that we have is that these spaces like Fab Labs and Maker Spaces are opening up in a lot of private schools in America, but not so much in public schools. And so mm -hmm. it really does um, exacerbate this access gap between the haves and the have-nots. And so um, we opened the Makery really as a, a response to that um, we, we want to give you know, all kids access to these tools, not just kids that can afford it. Really, actually, the, um, part of the charter of the Fab Lab network is to provide public access to these tools. Um, so really, the makery is, is a space that we open in response to that idea. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, we fund it partly through paid, uh, paid workshops, but then we try to have public open hours. And actually... Um, we originally were a pop-up space, but recently, within the last couple of months, we did secure a permanent location. So now we have a, a full-time open storefront in um, a neighborhood called Gowanus in Brooklyn. Fantastic. And that's open to teachers as well, is it? Educators as well? Yeah, yeah so a, a big part of, of our mission is, is teaching uh, teachers how to use these tools. So, yeah, we have workshops for teachers. Um, we try, actually, to do those workshops for free, too. Um, like if we have a workshop and, and uh, that's open to the public, and if you're a teacher, you can participate for free. So great. So if any Australian educators are in New York, find themselves in New York, they can drop by the uh, permanent space you've got. And now you're also you've got. Seems to me you've got a fairly busy life. You're also president of the Nerdy Derby. Can you explain what that is and how that's involving schools? Yes. So the Nerdy Derby is. Um, it's a it's it's really started as a project at um, my grad school where I, where I studied uh, interactive technology at NYU. Um, it was actually started by some students after I had graduated. They designed this race car track. It's uh, about three meters high and fifteen meters long, and it's got three tracks. And they built it for Maker Fair, the World Maker Fair in New York City, uh, back in 2012. And uh, the, the idea was that they would have this exhibit where kids would design cars to race down the track. Um, it was a, a, a really uh, big you know, project to build this thing. And at the end, they, uh, it was such a big hit at the festival. It won many awards. And so uh, when I saw it there, I asked the, the kids who had designed the track, you know, would, could we set this up at my school? And um, so we set it up in the cafeteria one week. We canceled classes for a whole <laughs> week. And the kids just did a series of experiments to figure out what are the variables they affect, that affect the speed of a, a vehicle on this track. And then we have this big derby at the end of the week. And um, we have competitions for the fastest car, but also the slowest car that can finish the course. And there's a hill in the middle of the course. So we have the queen of the hill competition as well, the car that can stop at the top of the hill most consistently. Um, and after the, the success of that in-school event, um, we 
uh, decided to turn the Nerdy Derby into a nonprofit. And I joined the board, and um, really now we set up the track at schools, at, at museums, at festivals, in art galleries, all sorts of places. Um, but also a big part of it is uh, we have this open source mission. So we publish the plans for the track online, and we encourage people around the world to um, build this track. So we've got we've had um, pictures and videos from people as far as away, away as Thailand, uh, South America, Europe. Uh, really, people are building the track all over the world and hosting their own derbies. Fantastic. So, so again, if people in Australia want to get involved, schools, they can just head to your site there and we'll put the links in uh, for, for people to follow there. Uh, finally then, before you go, um, now I saw that uh, in 2013 y- you were named a Teacher of the Future by the National Association of Independent Schools. So I'm interested in your views of uh, what you think a teacher will look like in 20 years, what your hopes will be for teaching. Yeah, so... Um, I, I really hope that um, school moves away from siloed subjects, from having separate you know, history, English, math classes. Um, I really think that uh, that's not really how the world works. And I, 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 see, um, I see the future of schools as having a lot more interdisciplinary projects, um, collaborations between different classes. The role of a teacher has become less of... Um, you know, somebody that's presenting information more as sort of a coach and uh, helping students discover things. And I think that doing hands-on projects um, is a really great way to uh, to get kids to help you know help kids just construct their own knowledge. Um, so I, I really do see the the future of a teacher as more like a coach um, than you know the traditional teacher, and uh, really as somebody who can help kids discover information that probably that teacher might not even know themselves. Mm-hmm. That's looking into the future for now to um, enjoy your time in Australia. James Deck, thank you very much for joining Teacher Magazine. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Global Education. To download all of our podcasts for free, visit acer.ac forward slash teacher iTunes or www.soundcloud.com forward slash teacher hyphen A-C-E-R. To access the latest articles, videos and infographics, visit www.teachermagazine.com.au.